Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Wing Cup Cruises. To uh, destroy pretty hard at round one was, uh, was a very, very good feeling. Courtney fights. Yeah, everyone did a great job and, and uh, to come away with the win was fantastic. As the 2011 Championship kicks off in Abu Dhabi. We look at all that and more today as the little red lights go out in another edition of the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official Facebook page of V8X Magazine. Sign up today for some great opportunities to win great prizes and find out what's going on in the world of V8X Magazine. The news on V8 Insiders is up next. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Friday night saw Jamie Wincup look like he had the championship on a string in the first race of the year. You know, most of the guys around me got off to a crack of starts and I didn't quite get the best one I could. Um, but lucky enough, I, I pushed hard in that first lap, got, uh, got track position and then pretty much controlled the race. If you asked me halfway through last year at some of the races where we weren't going that well, if you thought, oh, tomorrow you're going to be on the podium... I would have been jumping in the air for joy, but now we've done it. I'm disappointed I didn't win the race, and I'm, trying, I'm already thinking of how we can improve for tomorrow. So that's, um, you know, that's the racer in me. Alex Davison has replayed Stone Brothers' loyalty with his first podium of the season, whilst Frosty was thrilled to be on the podium, even if it was one place worse than he thought he should be. It was a solid start, not quick enough. Um, Jamie was in a league of his own there, really good, uh, really good car speed, but... A podium, silverware, um, yeah, that, that, that's a good start. So i just got to keep working away, get the car better on softs. It's good on hards, but um, we'll get there. We're uh, slowly chipping away. On Saturday night, James Courtney bounced back from a disappointing race number one to hold off Jason Bright's BOC Gases Commodore to take the race two victory. Yeah, no, look, it was, it was a mega team effort today. It wasn't just uh, you know, one person. The boys were crunching the numbers like crazy in the pits, telling me exactly how much fuel I had and what I had and didn't have to play with. So uh, then I had to do my side and you know, really look after the thing and, and uh, coax at home and not use as much fuel as I could. And uh, you know, Everyone did a great job and, and uh, to come away with the win was fantastic. So the championship after two races sees Wink Up on top on 279 points. Alex Davison second on 234 points. Shane Van Gisbergen on 210. Mark Winterbottom on 192. And Dave Reynolds rounds out the top five on 174 points. Michael Caruso's in sixth place. Fabian Coulthard is in seventh. Jonathan Webb, the first of the privateers, is in eighth place. Craig Lowndes and Jason Bright are both tied in equal ninth position. HRT's start of the season? Well, it was mixed, with Courtney having a race win, but he's back in 12th place in the championship. Garth Tander, disappointingly, in 21st. 
The stewards were busy over the two races at Abu Dhabi, issuing penalties in pit lane to Steve Owen for contact on Carl Reinler in pit lane, Paul Dumbrell for disobeying a red light at pit exit, Craig Lowndes for driving infringements on Russell Ingle, Mark Winterbottom for crossing the Bren line at pit exit, then Will Davison for an unsafe re-entry to the track. Tony D'Alberto lost 25 points for driving in a careless manner, causing contact with Tim Slade. Race 1 saw James Moffat dock 25 points for contact with Jason Barguana on lap 43 at turn 5. After an investigation concerning James Courtney on Jason Barguana on lap 2 and an admission of James Courtney of careless driving, this following a steward's hearing regarding the penalty offered, the loss of 50 championship points was opposed on James Courtney. Ahead of Adelaide, the stewards will rule on Jamie Winkup crossing the pit exit blend line on the reconnaissance lap. Controversy has also continued this week over the Abu Dhabi safety car, which was driven so slowly in the opinion of many. Safety crews have also come under fire as for the time they took to clear the stricken vehicles from the racetrack. V8 Supercars is investigating the possibility of racing under lights in Australia. Previously, the cost of lighting the circuit was not the issue preventing night racing. It was the OH&S issues around the access and egress to the facilities for patrons. Watch this space for more details. Brad Jones told the V8 Insiders that he believes his team is on the verge of some great results in 2011. I mean, we're going to have our circuits like everyone does where that's... That's not a possibility, but to, you know, I, I feel that well inside the top ten is where he's going to run, and um, and uh, but, you know it's very tough. There's ten or fifteen blokes you could throw a towel over. So, um, but that's what my target is, and uh, and hopefully we'll get our our first race win this year. Irishman Robert Cragen will become the first from that country to race in the Fujitsu V8 Supercar Series in an announcement saying he'll join a brand new team run by Matt Stone. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Gordon Lomas and Richard Crowell will join me to look at the wrap from the first race of the season. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. The news on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Facebook homepage. Sign up today for some great opportunities to win fantastic prizes and find out what's going on in the world of V8X magazine. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week for the first time in 2011, it is Gordon Lomas. And Gordon, uh, I hope everything's okay up there with all the flooding your way and uh, knowing that you are uh, a little bit exposed to some high water there, I hope everything was all right. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a, um, was a, bit of a drama um, for a lot of people. But uh, thankfully on the Gold Coast, uh, 
it um, it was spared of uh, of the devastation of Brisbane and Toowoomba and surrounding areas. So uh, we were quite fortunate here. Mm. And a man who hasn't had to worry too much about flooding out there in the Barossa Valley is Richard Crowell. And Richard, uh, great to have you on the show. Yeah, Craig Gordon, g'day. Uh, yes, we're a bit lucky. We're uh, one of the few states, actually, that hasn't copped a, uh, a natural disaster in the last month and a bit, but... Uh, it's still a bit of a year to go, but yeah, look, um, great start to the racing year, isn't it? It's great to finally get stuck into it. We had the Bathurst 12-hour a week ago, and, and then, uh, of course, the first weekend of the V8s in Abu Dhabi. So it's, uh, it's come around so quickly, but we're well and truly back into it now. Now, Gordo, do we think we have to blame Richard's 12-hour for Craig Lowndes' shocking starts in two races? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, you know... Uh, I mean, Craig, uh, you know, he's notoriously a terrible qualifier and he went out and did the business for a change and then fluffed the start. So, you know, um, all the hard work was, was undone in just, that, uh, in just that instant at the start. What a shame. He could have uh, gone on and did what Jamie did and win that first race. It was amazing, though, that uh, it became, I, I likened it to a slow waltz for Jamie Wincup in race one, Richard. Yeah, um, probably a fair description, I think, Craig. He, he drove away, didn't he? And, and I think by the, the time Friday night and Saturday morning had come around, we are all going, oh, dear, this is going to be a bit of a, a demolition from Win Cup and Triple Eight again, isn't it? But fortunately, we were, um, we were provided with an absolute thriller on Saturday night, Sunday morning, our time, um, which went right down to the wire. But, you know, you, you can never take anything away from Triple Eight. And, you know, they, they didn't have the best year last year, and one of their worst years in probably the last five meant they lost the championship by a handful of points. So if that's your worst year, that's not too bad, is it? So Wink Cup started well. He comes back from Abu Dhabi with a, a 50-something point lead in the championship. You know, first and a third, that's uh, that's not too shabby. And he looks pretty good going into the Clipsal 500. And as Gordon said, you know, Craig Lowndes had heaps of pace and surprisingly almost qualified really, really well. Um, and it's just the races for a change that let him down. It's normally the opposite. So uh, positive start as well for CL, and you know he's just going to be as strong and consistent as he always is this year. Gordon, I'm interested in your thoughts because a lot of, well, Craig and Jamie were both very adamant in the way they were saying this is the most stable start to a season that we've uh, had in three years because of all the changes that had gone on in the team over that uh, intervening period, of which they've been very successful. But with the change from Roland removing himself and, and getting Adrian in, I would think that would be quite tumultuous uh, to the team organisation until it's all bedded down. I don't think it's a long-term thing, but I would think over this short Christmas break, that would have had a big influence. Yeah, look, there's a lot of things to consider there. Um, firstly... Uh, in the off-season. I don't think Triple Eight have had uh, quite the, the hectic um, work schedule that they've had in, pre- in the previous years, you know, building the FG Falcon firstly for themselves and, uh, and customers, and then last year switching from building Falcons to, uh, to the Commodore. Um, boy, you know, they, they've, they haven't had a summer for a number of years. So I think what you've seen so far is that they've, they've gone into this year a lot better prepared in terms of of, of physically racing and uh, and all the associated bits with it, and plus you know the the, um, the, the change within the team with, with the structure, with Adrian Burgess now uh, coming on is in essentially what was Roland Dane's role. Um, I you know I think what you saw on the weekend 
um, is when Triple Eight get it right, you know, there's not a team on the grid that can come near them. And, uh, and uh, you know, more, more than anything, I think you'll, you'll see um, both cars being a lot more consistent. Craig, what, what crucified Craig last year was uh, the first half to quarter of the year. He was very inconsistent. But I don't think you'll see that this year. I think, uh, I think both cars will be, will be right up there punching uh, just in just about every race. Mm. Well, Richard, you alluded to the uh, thriller on Saturday night, Sunday morning, our time. And the Courtney-Bright battle was fantastic. But we have to say it was predicated on a safety car shooting strategies into uh, into a million pieces. It wasn't because the racing was necessarily that good. It was because events around the race made it that good. Yeah, but ninety eight percent of races that go down to the wire uh, do that because of various circumstances, be it a strategy going right or a strategy going wrong, or someone striking dramas and someone not. So, I. I'd, I'd kind of like to look past the safety car issue, and, and it, it's something that they've got to look at, and they will. And, and there's been the odd safety car drama the last couple of years that, that I think they need to find some more consistency there with their regs and the way the safety car's deployed and the regulations like we saw at the weekend. But I, I think we need to look past that. I think we need to take the race for what it was, was that a, a masterful drive by James Courtney to, to extract that amount of uh, mileage out of a car with no fuel... Um, and for Jason Bright, who hasn't had an opportunity to show what he's really made of for a long time now, and I think a lot of people have forgotten how good a driver Jason Bright is, and, I mean, the guy's won Formula Holden Championships and, you know, he's won V8 Supercar races, some of the biggest races in the country. He's a great driver, and it's so good to see him at the front. So, you know, I, I like to look at it as just a really, really good race and exactly what the doctor ordered for V8 Supercars. I mean, what a great way to promote the first Australian round in four weeks' time by showing replays of one of the best battles we've seen for a race win in a couple of years. I, I think it's tremendous. Yep. Are you as forgiving there, Gordon? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I tend to agree with uh, with Richard um, wholeheartedly. Um, I, I, you know, safety cars are a part of the sport and, uh, you know, whether people like them or not, um, they're, they're here to stay. Um, so, and, you know... Whether it's contrived or, you know, extenuating circumstances sort of lend themselves to that sort of stuff, well, well and good. Don't forget last year we had some absolute ball terror races. You know, who can forget uh, Gisbergen and um, yeah. and uh, Wind Cup on the Gold Coast last year? You know, that's that was one of the best races for many, many years. And it didn't go for just a handful of laps. It went for like half the race where they were, you know, rubbing panels... Uh, you know, for, for for lap after lap after lap. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of Abu Dhabi as as a circuit for our cars. I I don't really think that track shows our cars up in the best light. Um, but you know, we were fortunate through all those reasons that Richard just uh, mentioned that we uh, end up with a great race, uh, the second race in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Now, HRT would be in a mixed blessing there, wouldn't it, that it's only one set of overseas races in this Middle Eastern swoop because GT, back in 21st position in the championship, is definitely not the start they wanted, Gordo. No, and he was in a similar position last year, if you remember, when, um, you know, through no fault of his, uh, he got that pit lane penalty... Um, when uh, you know with, with the with the uh, the floor jacks uh, 
Um, so, you know, Garth came away basically um, after, after Abu Dhabi and Bahrain last year. He came to Clipsal and it, as if those two races didn't, didn't happen and his championship started in Adelaide. So, you know, uh, I think you'll find that uh, it's pretty, pretty much the same. He's in the same position again, isn't he, you know? And, uh, and boy, you know, he's got, a, he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders with uh, Courtney in the other garage. Mm, and fortunately for him, uh, Richard, uh, Jamie Winkup didn't win two in a row or win four in a row as it was last year. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, last year Garth had four pretty wretched races overseas, as Gordon said. So, you know, he's only dropped two results instead of four. So it's going to help. Look, Garth Tander, I mean, not only is one of the fastest drivers, but having worked with him personally in his Formula 3 days with Tander Sport, he's a guy that thrives on competition. Unless he's got someone there pushing him, I, I don't think you see Garth Tander at his best. So I, I think having a guy like um, James Courtney in that team all it's going to do is result in a faster Garth Tander. So count him out at your peril because that guy is, is seriously good and very, very motivated and he's not going to want um, he's not going to want an interloper like Courtney to rock into his team that he's been at for three or four years now and knock him off. So, yeah, it, it's not a great start to the year, but I don't think he's under a huge amount of pressure now. I think that, yes, he's got a points disadvantage, but we're only two races down in a almost 30 race season, so um, there's a long, long way to go mm. for GT. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking, rewind to the comments that were made on this show when Will Davison hit the team, and I think they were very similar. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Gordon Lomas and Richard Crail joining me, Craig Revell. And one thing that I loved, and I guess I have to say I'm unashamedly a Stephen Johnson fan, but when I saw Stephen just drive the balls off that car to get to the front, I was happy because in some way I felt vindicated for the fact that I picked him to win so many races over the last three years and have failed. I'll jump in. Yeah, look, um, I think DJR needs Stephen Johnson to stand up. They need a team leader. James Moffat's a great driver and he's a great guy too, but bear in mind he's only in his first full season. Uh, It's going to take him a while to settle in. There's a couple of circuits he'll need to learn. Um, It'll take him a little bit to settle into to the main game routine, to being a a full-time professional works driver in a a top championship-winning team. So it's time for for Stevie J to stand up, and and I agree with you, Craig. I thought he drove very well in in Abu Dhabi, and especially at a team that's had so many engineering and personnel changes over the off-season with a lot of staff leaving, not the least of which was Adrian Burgess. Um, He needed to stand up, and so far, one round in, good job. Uh, Got some reasonable results running, running in the top four or five most of the weekend, I think, from memory. So... So far, so good. He's just got to be super consistent. It's, it's usually been a forte of his, which is why he always pops into the top ten in the standings at the end of the year. But um, he's got to keep that consistency up, running the top three or four all, all weekend, 
and he'll find himself winning races, mm. I'm sure of it. Of course, he was one of the drivers, wasn't he, Gordo, that got uh, trapped on the uh, fuel strategy? Yeah, yeah, it was quite unfortunate because, um, you know, he he was looking like coming away from uh, Abu Dhabi with a really solid start to the to the championship. And, uh, and look, you know, I, I think over the last half a dozen years or so, I think Steve Johnson has performed you know, really, really well in, in extremely difficult circumstances. And, and a lot of people haven't given him the credit where it was due, and, uh, and I think he's done a super job. He, he's a terrific driver, Steve, uh, and, uh, and, and I think he knows now that this, this is the year. This is the year he really needs to put his hand up and put a championship season together, um, in, in, you know, in no uncertain terms. I mean... It, you know, if he doesn't perform this year, well, pretty much it's uh, it's you know look look for another home because uh, you know he he's he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders this year. He's got a he's got a green green driver in James Moffat in the in the 18 car and um, and and Steve's very much the you know going to be the team leader and the go-to man. So uh, so I think I think you'll find that. Um, you know, DJR um, really up against it with what transpired and the and the team changes uh, in the off season. Um, but I think you'll find that Steve will uh, be more than capable of uh, putting his hand up and uh, and doing a good job. Mm. Well, of course, uh, Stephen Johnson is one of many drivers that's swanning around. I think it's London, but a lot of the drivers gone to Europe before Clipsal as they are halfway there already. David Reynolds returned. Gordo, I'm interested to get your thoughts because uh, fourth place in race number two and solid in race number one gets him uh, into fifth place at the end of the first weekend of racing. Oh, look, you know, no surprise to me. Um, David Reynolds has been, you know, you know, has been uh, on the receiving end of some really, really bad luck. Uh, and, uh, and for Walkinshaw to let him slip through their fingers, um, that's just a disgrace, I, I think, because David Reynolds has got a stack of ability. And, um, and you know, let, let's face it, a couple of years ago in Perth, you know, he was on the threshold uh, of, of winning a race over there and, um, and you know, and, and got... Um, and unfortunately, things didn't work out for him uh, tyres-wise. But, uh, but you know, what he did on the weekend, was it any great surprise to me? No. Will David Reynolds win races? Definitely. I agree. Completely, utterly, 100%, totally. I've known Renault since his career Cup days and, and even before that. And he, he's... We've, we've spoken about it on the show before, Craig, that he's a strange kind of character when you talk to him. But when you get him away from the press and on his own, he's a funny guy and a really good bloke to be around and a fantastic driver. And I agree with everything Gordon said. Great driver, great results. And, uh, I mean, what an awesome job to get. I, I guess in the past it's been referred to as the Kelly B team. Um, they outperformed the A team at the weekend. Uh, you know, Greg Murphy and um, Reynolds were right at the front for uh, at least the second race, did a really good job, whereas the Jack Daniels cast didn't go quite so well. So awesome job, and yeah, he'll win races, no doubt. Mm. And a big race for him at Clipsal because Stratco, his major sponsor, it's their home base over there at Adelaide. So uh, he's certainly given them a lot of expectation, and uh, hopefully he can deliver on the streets of Adelaide. Yeah, and I'll jump in here because it's good to see some new sponsors at the front. So you've got Stratco up there, Pepsi Max had a pretty good debut, BOC, right at the front of the field, how long have they been involved in the sport? And, I mean, they haven't won for many, many years, probably way back since Super Touring when they were with, um, with Brad Jones on the Audi. So it, it's great to see new sponsors at the front as well. And, you know, the more they're successful, 
the more they're likely to be able to leverage their involvement in the sport and keep spending money, which is, in the end, what we all want to see. Mm. Of course, uh, Bargs in the other BOC car nicely slipped in there, Richard. is uh, He had a nightmare. He got hit from pillar to post, and it, it's coming on the back of the fact that Bargs is... Uh, Rock Energy Drink's major sponsorship package that he was putting together for a car has fallen into receivership through no fault of Bargs, but uh, unfortunately that's got to be in, uh, impacting the whole Brad Jones uh, arrangement because that car's unsponsored at the moment and Bargs would be, you know, like the proverbial duck, legs going everywhere under the water they're trying to uh, get things shored up for his whole season at BOC because uh, you have to wonder what happens if Jason Richards puts his hand up and says I'm right to go fellas Gordo? yeah look I'm, I'm not too sure whether all the, the off-track stuff um, had a lot to do with with what happened to bugs on the weekend you, you're gonna you're gonna get rounds like that and unfortunately you know um, it didn't rain at port for bugs on the weekend um, but you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, I, I, I very, very much doubt whether the same thing is going to happen, uh, you know, in the in, in the remaining um, rounds of the championship. Uh, Bargs is a, is a great little driver, um, and, uh, you know, he, he certainly didn't deserve the luck that fell, or the bad luck that fell his way uh, overseas. Mm, no, I agree with that. Richard? Yeah, no, look, I, I agree, but uh, the, the thing Bargs can keep in the back of his mind is that, well, hang on a minute, my teammate basically almost won the race at Abu Dhabi. So we know we've got fast cars. And, and actually, um, I'll send a special message out to Carl Reinler as well, because I thought he did a really good job um, over there. And, and he's another driver really coming of age with a lot of potential. So two of BJR's cars at the weekend were super quick, and, and that'll be great for Bugs. That'll be really comforting. The, the, the only problem he might have this year is that question mark hanging over the head of, well... What if Jason Richards decides he wants to return when and if it happens? In the meantime, needs to make the most of having a, a really fast car under him and try and get as many results as he can. Mm. Well, I'm going to have to bump gas and go to uh, the white flag lap. So I've got a couple of points I want to get off your minds. And uh, first of all, Gordon, more night racing, the talk that V8 supercars are looking at uh, trying to get some more night racing on the calendar and possibly up your way. Uh, is that a good thing? Well, I'm not a big fan, to tell you the truth, per, from a personal level. Um, but, you know, they're, they're pursuing it or they want to pursue it, so be it. But it's got to be done, I think, the right way and at the right places. And, you know, it, it costs a hell of a lot of money to equip a track with, uh, with this, you know, the adequate lighting um, for television. Uh, oh, gee, you know, I, it, it, you know... Abu Dhabi is one thing, but, uh, but but back home here in Australia, that's another. The other thing is that ch- you know Channel Seven would have a fair say in it. I would like to think, you know, the, Channel Seven would you know would would they be for this putting a, a V8 race on in prime time on a Saturday night when you know uh, you know there's the possibility it could get smashed by something else. So mm. I, I oh, gee you know. Go more night racing at your peril is my, is my um, uh, verdict. All right, Gordo's not a Speedway fan. Richard, what about you? Look, I, I tend to... I like it. I like night racing. I, I'm fortunate in that living over here, my, the only racetrack permanent circuit in Australia, in Malala, is the only track that has full-time permanent lights to enable night racing. And uh, the first and last rounds of the state championship round every year are held under lights, a twilight meeting, one-day meeting, 
and they get by far and away the biggest crowds that I've ever seen go to a state round at Malala. Uh, to get that point, what, what I think they're looking for is the 2020 motor racing. They're looking for something that people can rock up to, can sit down for three or four hours and then go home instead of spending an entire day out in the sun, you know, just buying drinks all day, spending money on food and all that over the course of, you know, what eight to five or however long a normal race program is. What, um, what I think they can achieve by running under lights, and especially at QR, which is one of these really fringe rounds where they're, they're trying to do something different, is get that ability so someone can rock up at 5 o'clock, watch qualifying, race starts at 6.30 or 7 o'clock, get the race out of the way by 10 and go home. The biggest issue is TV. I agree with Gordon, and I agree that if they're going to be up against AFL, they're probably going to take a pounding in the ratings. Um, Having said that, it might be a risk they're willing to take, and it might pay off. It may well pay off, but it's a big gamble. But from V8s, we've seen them roll the dice a couple of times in the past, so this could be something they're willing to, um, you know, they're willing to go. All right, well, let, let's take a punt. Let's see what happens. It, it may well pay off. Mm. Of course, uh, it's not ever been lighting the track that's been the problem. It's been lighting the facilities because mm. people have to get to their cars and get to, uh, you know, to all the amenities at a at a circuit, which aren't set up for night racing. You go to a speedway and it's made for having lights and everywhere's lit where the public goes. And I think that's the real cost incurred in uh, trying to light the racetrack or trying to light the surrounds in making sure it's safe for the punters. We need to take a break here on the Van Insiders. Gas and Go coming up on the White Flag Lab. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Gordon Lomas and Richard Crowell joining me, Craig Revell. It's the white flag lap time now, and it's Gas and Go, brought to you by V8 Race Experience. You can check out all the experiences at www.v8race.com.au. Remember, Easter Monday, you can get your chance to race around the mountain. Find out more at V8 Race today. Gas and go. First question going to Gordon Lomas. Who's on the V8 hot seat if they don't perform in 2011? Well, there's probably two that you could look at, but uh, number one is James Courtney, um, and number two, to a lesser extent, is Will Davison. Richard? Yeah, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. I, I've actually got three drivers circled. Two of them answered the bell at the weekend. They were Greg Murphy and um, Alex Davison. Awesome jobs. Alex Davison, I think, with the high-profile sponsorship he's got at a front-running team, has to perform this year. Without a doubt, has to perform. So, But he, he proved at the weekend what he's capable of. Great job. The other one I sort of circled as one who'd probably want to have a good year is Todd Kelly. And I say this because Todd came out in the off-season and said, if I don't have a good year, I'm going to sack myself and put someone in the car that can actually do the job. So... Uh, keep an eye on him, but they're my three to watch this year. So far, two of them have done outstanding jobs. All right, uh, Richard. Is the break till Clips all crazy? Should they throw in a test day somewhere else? Um, maybe, yes. 
based on the success of Eastern Creek, but I think the break with Clipsal will fix itself when they go back to their back-to-back uh, Middle East rounds next year. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's a bit crazy. I mean, you, you saw the big breaks in the calendar last year. It was ridiculous. Um, they should tighten it up. Clipsal should uh, possibly, you know, come back a lot closer to Abu Dhabi, um, you know, uh, and and solve the uh, the big yawning gap because you just you know all of a sudden you get people's attention with a race which was last weekend. And then you go to sleep for a month, you know, so you lose people. Mm, the footy season and V8 supercars started on the same weekend there, Gordo. Collingwood, Carlton and Richmond had 40,000 spectators at the game. Could I be condescending and say Abu Dhabi had 40? Yeah, not, another massive bugbear of mine. I mean, you know, the AFL is, is the number one sport in this country by as far as you can kick your hat. So, you know, starting the same weekend, you can time it a lot better. Richard? Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's always going to be an issue. I think with the Abu Dhabi thing, and the reports I've heard is that the crowd was up. Hard to see on TV because it's such a big place. But, yeah, it, it's an issue, isn't it? Is it made for crowds or is it made for TV? That's what they've got to ask themselves. Mm. Seven's live coverage. Was it better than last year when you had to wait all day to see the racing, Rich? Yes, absolutely. And it gave fans... Um, two opportunities. The real diehards like myself and a couple of the members of the media and, and the real diehard fans stayed up and watched it live. Um, everyone else was able to watch it on replay on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. And the advent of multi-channeling using Seven Mate to show qualifying, even though it wasn't live, was a really good thing. I, I think it was a fantastic improvement. Mm. Got it. Yeah, oh, look, I, I agree. I, I think um, I think it was uh, last year was just uh, and uh, you know. And, uh, you know, it was just ridiculous. But uh, but this year it was certainly... Seven did a lot better job of managing it. Um, and the fact that they've got their, their digital channels now, and uh, particularly Seven Mate, um, they can, you know, they can play around with things and farm things off, you know, and, uh, and just allocate, uh, you know, sessions... Um, uh, a little bit better. So, look, you know, all in all, I think I think the viewer was a lot better off this year. Mm. And finally, on Gas and Go, brought to you by V8 Race Experience, Gordo, did we miss the top ten shootout at round one? Nah, well, no, not not at a track like uh, Abu Dhabi, but uh, certainly if it was Bathurst, we'd miss it. Richard. Yeah, no, I agree. Didn't miss it at all. I like the 20-minute all-in sessions. They're really good, really exciting, lots of action. Didn't miss it at all. Keep it for Bathurst. And that's the white flag lap here on the V8 Insiders. And, of course, that's the guess and go for V8 Race Experience. Gordon, a real pleasure to uh, have you on the show and look forward to chatting to you from time to time throughout the year. Do we think? Do you think now that you uh, have seen, got a better idea of what the season's going to be like after the first two races? I think we got a fair idea. Um, you know, uh, number one, I think uh, I think it's Win Cups Championship to uh, to lose. Um, uh, number number two, I think Courtney will be he'll possibly be the man. You know, up there defending his championship and, and the one that's going to be you know hardest for for, for Jamie to beat. But I, I look, I really don't think you've seen the last of Craig Lowndes. I think. He could be a massive X factor in this championship this year. All right, Richard, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Lowndes is my big, big circle for this year. I, I believe he can win another championship, and I, I'm almost certain, barring an airstrike, he's going to win Bathurst again with Mark Scaife. 
Um, look, I agree. I, I think the thing to look at this year that we learnt from Abu Dhabi, it was a lot closer than it was last year. Some of the drivers that were struggling last year have gone. Some of the drivers that were in a rookie season last year have really raised the bar, and I'm talking about Carl Reinler and guys like Tim Slade, who now really established in the series. The, the field's bunched itself up. I think this is the most competitive field we'll see in a long time. So really, really good. I, I think it's going to be a great year. My final thought is watch Jonathan Webb. He is seventh, the first single-car privateer in the field, and I reckon he's got a point to prove in his own one-car team. That's the show for another week as the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.